everybody, this is Nathan here with Jake, and you're about to listen to what we call Sound of Sanity 1.0. Now, Jake, what do we mean when we say Sanity 1.0? Well, Sound of Sanity was a show we'd been wanting to do for a really long time, and we'd never really seen our way clear to getting it off the ground. Right, so one day we decided the best way to get it off the ground was just to sit down, hit record, three friends talking into microphones. Since that time, the show has changed and grown a whole lot. The modern version of Sound of Sanity really began to develop around episode 34 on Jordan B. Peterson. Yeah, there's some stuff we're really proud of in this early iteration of this show and some stuff we're possibly, probably, maybe not so proud of. But there's some good stuff and we wanted to leave these up. Plus, we thought it'd be fun for people who know the current show to go back and see how far the show's come. Yeah, fun and maybe sometimes a little humbling. No doubt. Anyway, don't forget to subscribe, rate, and review the current version of the show. That's right. And meanwhile, please enjoy this episode from the archives. You are now listening to The Sound of Sanity. This sound will continue for the duration of the program. Are fornication and bestiality morally equivalent? Nope. Thanks for listening, everybody. <laughs> We're going to discuss it anyway. <laughs> I guess we'll discuss it anyway. Hey, this is Nathan Alberson, your humble media host, the host of Sound of Sanity. Not The Sound of Sanity. This may be the first episode where I remember to call it Sound of Sanity instead of The Sound of Sanity. Although I think I've referenced my confusion on said point in prior episodes. It is very difficult not to say The Sound of Sanity. I'm here today to discuss another topic that might make you feel insane. Jake Menzel, the CEO, chief executive officer, he looks like he has something to say. He's got his arms outstretched in a I have something to say kind of a gesture. He's sitting there poised and ready with a thought in his brain and words upon his tongue. He's about to open his mouth. His tongue will spew forth wisdom, beauty, truth, whatever it is that he's about to say. He's going to say it now. Um, I was just going to make an aside that we could just change it to the sound of sanity. We could change it to the sound of sanity, but we've already designed our logo and everything and yeah, the, the t-shirts and the mugs. To, you know, there's like a... The logo doesn't have to have the definite article on it. <laughs> doesn't have to have the definite article to be the definite article. <laughs> Am I right? <laughs> That's an interesting thought, Ben. My response to that would be... Fill your pocket with rocks <laughs> and go for a long swim. What do you think about that? Uh, I, it's, that sounds good to me, Nathan. I <laughs> haven't done a lot of swimming this summer. <laughs> ah, we're just joking, of course. I don't really want Ben to die. Um, but that was a very ridiculous thing to, for him to have said right there. I'd like to apologize on his behalf as the host of this program and on the behalf of all Christians throughout, the, throughout history. John Calvin... Chrysanthemum, whatever that guy's name was. Chrysosthenes. <laughs> what was that guy's you're, name? You're, you're apologizing on their behalf? Yeah. <laughs> what? For These what? guys sweated blood, man, to bring us to the, to the point in Christian history where... But you're apologizing for them. That's what that means. This is the the epoch of Warhorn. This will go down in history. People yeah. are going to be writing but, books about this but the, thing. But you know, the, the next great, the second great reformation. You're apologizing for them for something they did. No, I'm not apologizing. I'm apologizing on their behalf. Oh, no. Right, that's what you said, <laughs> on their behalf. Not on their behalf. I'm apologizing on your behalf to them for you wasting 
two thousand years of blood, sweat, and tears oh, poured okay. into the okay the Christian our Christian heritage to bring us to the point where you said the definite ar- article doesn't have to be definite in order to be the definite <laughs> article. So that's not an de- exact quote, is it? But all right, <sighs> John Calvin, I'm sorry. Martin Luther, I'm sorry. Jake Menzel, I'm sorry. I think I've covered, I've covered the big three now. <laughs> uh, <laughs> uh, welcome to Sound of Sanity, everybody. We are here. We are eating some very uh, royal food here, some Burger King. We, we King That most because... royal of foods. They're keeping uh, the monarchy alive, Burger King. Ben loves the monarchy. He hates democracy with all his heart. He's never read any Thomas Paine. He loves Burger King because it reminds him of... The king. The king. <laughs> Yeah, there's at least there's a king somewhere. How do you figure the Burger King got to be the Burger King? Mm. Does he come of royal burger blood? Does he did, did he just inherited it from his dad, who was the former Burger King? He was a Burger Prince first. Uh, yeah, I don't know. I'm not really clear. Would um, you be in support of a burger democracy if the restaurant chain decided to change their name? Well, no, I really wouldn't, Nathan. I think uh, Burger King gets the strength and their deliciousness from having a very strong monarchy. <laughs> Ask a stupid question. <laughs> Get a stupid answer. Uh, Jake, your thoughts? Uh, uh. You're probably a burger libertarian. <laughs> you probably think every man should just be allowed to do what he wants with his burgers. <laughs> you probably don't support any kind of burger authority at all. You just think- right. uh, I'm all for every man doing what's, or every burger doing what's right in its own eyes. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe you're a Randian. You think that great men rise to the top through their burger burger efforts that's what ayn rand probably thought about burger king (laughs) Uh (laughs) (laughs) Uh, uh-huh you can rise to the top even if you start out with ground (laughs) with ground well you've heard it here for the first folks glad to bring you some quality uh content at the top of the program just like we always do on the sound of sanity but our purpose today is not to talk about burger king for the next 60 minutes as intriguing as that might be as much as we might uh, tie in heredity and blood and authority and all the different discussions of monarchy that we could have that's not the topic of today's episode the topic of today's episode actually comes irl in real life. It happened in real life. This is not some hypothetical abstract. You know, sometimes we're just like, well, what should the topic be today, Jake? I don't know, Nathan. I don't know. Let's take on the Babylon Bee. That'd be fun. Um, Sometimes things happen. Oftentimes, actually, things happen where we really do feel insane. In this case, a very specific thing happened, which is tied to another wonderful Warhorn product uh, you may have heard of called The World We Made, the hashtag definite article, mm. World We Made. Definite mm. article is definitely in the definite article there. And I like it. What's that? Nothing. Uh, what were we talking about? Oh, so this thing happened, and uh, the only man that can tell the story is our chief executive. Did I even introduce us? I'm Nathan Alberson, your humble and video host, creative director of Warhorn Media. Jacob Mensel's over there is the chief executive officer of Warhorn Media, CEO, chief, commander, daddy, pastor who's the master of the reading on the booking, all kinds of titles, wonderful guy, good friend. And we got Ben Solzer over here. He's our production engineer. Production assistant. Production assistant. And sound engineer. And sound engineer. Yes, that's what he is. That's what he is. And uh, we're here to bring a little sanity into your life, folks. We're going to talk about places where we as Christians feel insane. And we are, uh, I don't know, you've heard the show before. Go back and listen to other episodes if you want me to explain the premise but uh jake you're gonna tell you 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 have a tale to tell us do you not i do i do so and it is tied to our podcast the world world we made made. so not long after we released 
episode six. Should uh, we explain what the world we made is, just in case we have sure. sanity fans? Sure. The the world we made is a, a podcast that runs in seasons, so one season a, a year. And the first season features uh, Tim Bailey speaking about an interview between Nathan and I and Tim, talking about uh, homosexuality, how we got from a place where in the 60s sodomy was illegal in all 50 states to where we are today with transgender bathrooms and uh, what we can do about it and how best to love those who are given over to their lusts or attempted um, with homosexual lusts. And uh, for season one, that's what it's about. It's eight episodes long. It's, it's done now. And so you can go and binge listen to the whole shebang right now on iTunes or wherever you get your podcasts. Binge listen to the whole shebang. That's right. Each episode is only about 20 minutes long. Mm-hmm. Um, they're about, some of them are as short as 15 or 16 minutes. So anyhow, not long after we released episode six, which was titled Gay Christian, which is taking on the gay Christian movement in which we dealt with uh, Ed Shaw of livingout.org, some things that he has said directly. I got somebody asking me. Well, now, just to set it up a little bit further, Ben, look up livingout.org and tell us what livingout.org is. Just so we don't want to leave anybody behind in case they don't know. Benjamin Solzer's over there. He's the great production assistant. He's typing. He's got his fingers poised, even though they should be typing. Is he done typing? I'm done typing. All right, you're done, done typing. typing. And yep. livingout.org is... Livingout.org is a site where you learn the answer to the question, can you be gay and Christian? Is it a sin to be gay? How do you live life without sex? How do I support my same-sex attracted Christian friend slash family member? We are a group of Christians, not not us, but right. uh, it you know, living out there with people. Yeah, we, we are a group of Christians who experience same-sex attraction, bringing out into the open the questions and dilemmas that gay Christians can often face. So it's a haven for gay Christians, made by and for gay Christians. Yeah, and so that episode tackles even the question of can you be a gay Christian? And one of the things that we end up saying is to, to call yourself, to label yourself a gay Christian is, let's try that with other sins and other sexual perversions. I am an incestuous Christian. I am a pedophile Christian. I am a zoophile Christian. I am a, a adulterous Christian. I'm a murder-oriented Christian. A polyamorous Christian. Fill in the blank, and it doesn't work. And there's a reason why it doesn't work. So, you know, we, that's what we talk about in that episode. And uh, these guys, if you haven't heard of livingout.org, you need to know um, how, how big these guys have become. Sam Albury and Ed Shaw are sort of the the public face of, of, of livingout.org. They both write and contribute to the Gospel Coalition. They're at conferences with a lot of the guys that uh, many of our listeners might he- are heroes of theirs. And so what, what's happened is they've been set forward and put forward these men in this organization as sort of out on the, uh, out on the, the front lines of the, the war over sexuality in the church. Often have articles published on the Gospel Coalition and places like that by Ed Shaw, by Sam Albury, by these men. And so not long after that episode was released, uh, somebody on Twitter, at Ruin Blog, tweeted at me and at livingout.org and asked if we had asked Ed Shaw to respond to our episode. And I responded. I said, nope, sure haven't. Haven't intended to. Would welcome a response, though. And then a guy named Sean Doherty, who's a co-founder of livingout.org, took the bait and responded and asked me to give a summary of the episode, which I did. Very similar to the summary I just gave you. Replace gay Christian with pedophile, zoophile Christian, and you realize that you're removing helpful shame and normalizing perversion. So that was where we started, and then we were off (laughs) and running from there. And um, 
Which, by the way, I would encourage people to just listen to that episode. We're probably not in this episode of Sound Insanity going to be able to resolve all the tensions that you might feel about the subject. But uh, yeah, that's a very, I mean, that summary is a pretty intense and. Uh, I'd say it's the most intense episode we did of, of that season. Yeah, I think it is the most intense episode. And therefore, that summary is a pretty intense summary. Mm-hmm. And um, you, you will want to go back thing. and actually listen to the, that whole episode and the, that whole episode in context to understand where we're coming from. But anyhow, now I'm in an exchange, a Twitter exchange with uh, Sean Doherty, a co-founder of livingout.org. And should I just go through the whole exchange? or Yeah, why not? Okay, so I give that summary. He responds two ways. First response is... Um, This is Sean speaking. I think helpful shame is overly reliant on natural law. We only know right from wrong accurately through God's word, which not even sure what he means by that. But I respond and say shame is the response of a guilty conscience. And when our consciences are informed by God's word, it's helpful to us. And then I tell him we talk about these things in depth in the course of the podcast. I'd love for you to listen to it. I think you'll find our discussions helpful. I'd be glad to talk to you more about this in another context. Because I really didn't want to get in a big Twitter battle with the founder of livingout.org. And in part because I think it's really unfair what big organizations like the Gospel Coalition have done to these men in promoting them. Um, these, these are, I don't know, I assume that like the other leaders of livingout.org, that, that Sean is another man who's been ensnared by same-sex temptation and lust. And so you take these guys who are... I think, weak and broken and not in a place of strength, and you place them out on the front lines and you prop them up as the voice, and it's a very cowardly thing to do, and it makes those men very vulnerable. But then they get calcified and hardened in uh, in their positions and end up doing further harm. Well, sir, again, if you listen to the episode, we do talk about the fact that there can be, there's such a thing as a person who is tempted by homosexuality, who lives a Christian life um, that's the last I want to deal with that. We're not going to get into the whole thing today in this episode, but... um, Absolutely. And, um, you know, men and women in our church are repenting and and recovering and growing in godliness and uh, find it very difficult. But the main point of the episode is that we don't help those people when we get rid of shame, when we get rid of the ness that's connected to the idea of homosexuality. We're not helping anybody. Right. What we want is for people to respond rightly to God's word. And that is always when you sin to feel a certain sense of shame, a a level of shame that's appropriate with the sins that you've committed. That shame is good and helpful. It is a gift of God that drives you to Jesus and to the forgiveness and help and hope there is in the gospel. So to remove that shame is destructive. To pretend like there's nothing to be ashamed of and as Ben just read, these are desires, they're only experienced, right? These are, they experience same-sex desires is the way that the language that Ben read from their website. Yeah. It's, that's passive. Right. The Bible doesn't speak about experiencing. Uh, you'll see as we go through this conversation, he calls them preferences. The Bible doesn't talk about experiencing preferences. The Bible talks about lust and temptation. And degrading passions. Yeah. And so... We need to speak about these these things biblically, and if we give in and, and take on these kinds of cultural ways of speaking that Tim Bailey said in our uh, episodes of The World We Made, which, again, um, you should listen to. So, anyhow, um, I say replace gay Christian with pedophile Christian or zoophile Christian. You begin to see that you're removing helpful shame and you're normalizing perversion. He gave the first response that I gave, then he gave a second response, and he says, thanks. That's fine by me, provided one is equally clear that straight, as we experience it in a fallen world, is equally perverted. Okay, so there's a lot going on there. First of all, there's the idea there's 
straightness and not straightness gayness that is a assumption of his that he doesn't even feel the need to argue. right he doesn't need to feel the need to argue the question of nature versus nurture it's just you're straight or you're not and straightness as we experience it so then passive again is in a fallen world equally perverted his quote quote unquote equally perverted and so i respond and i don't try to take on the question of identity and the question of nature versus nurture i just respond and say also perverted but not equally we are all sexual sinners in need of God's grace. That does not make all sexual sins equal. And then he responds and says, anyway, I didn't say all sexual sins are equal. I said we are all equally fallen. Mm. False. Right. <laughs> that is a lie. Right. Mm. That's equivocation. Let's go back and read what he said, what he actually did say again. He said, that's fine by me, provided one is equally clear that straight as we experience it in a fallen world is equally perverted. So he said, straight is equally perverted. And then he said, I didn't say all sexual sins are equal. I said we're all equally fallen. Yeah. Equally fallen and equally perverted are two very different things. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Very different things. So I respond and say, we are all equally fallen. Sure enough, we're all fallen. But perversion indicates degrees of separation from God's design. So no, not equally perverted. And you understand that these, these are 140 character blasts I've got to work with here. Right. So can't speak like a normal person. <laughs> right. <laughs> right. Um, but, but the difference is we, we are all fallen. We have all, we're all in Adam and Adam's fall. We send all. Right. That doesn't mean that uh, the various sins and temptations that we can experience or give ourselves over there. I just did it. You see, I fell into the trap mm-hmm. uh, that we give ourselves over to are all on a level playing field or uh, just as natural or just or equally perverted. That doesn't, right. That's not what that means. In Romans 1, Paul says the, their women gave up natural passions for those which are contrary to nature and their men likewise gave up what is natural, uh, you know, and were consumed with passion for one another. The Apostle Paul is operating from the baseline assumption that there are some natural passions and there are unnatural passions. And there are progressions of degradation that, mm-hmm. that we go through as we deny God, as we suppress the truth of God, we become more and more degraded. Our desires become more and more perverse. God, and that's fact, a part of the judicial hardening over of, to, yeah. yeah, that's that's God's judgment on us, mm. is by giving us over to more and more degraded passions, by more, and more uh, lust for more and more perverse things. That's the whole point, mm-hmm. right? And so he says... Where is that taught in scripture, please? Uh. <laughs> so I say, <laughs> Romans 1. <laughs> <laughs> and he says, I'm not trying to be difficult. Uh-huh. People always say that when they're about to be difficult. Or right. I, I don't mean to be, you know, <laughs> rude. Or I don't mean to question you, but, you know. No, I'm questioning you. Right. Well, right. I just, uh, let's, I mean, we're probably going interrupt, to keep interrupting to talk through this. But just notice his whole tone is one of not forthrightness, one of, well, you know, just to, to, to consider this, just to think, you know, it's just kind of, I don't want to, you know, um, which is actually a very unfair thing to do in an argument. Like if you're having an argument with your wife or with your friend, it's an unfair thing to assume a posture of weakness because then that, that cripples the other person. They suddenly can't act as if there's anything at stake. They can't. Yeah. Because you've, you've neutered them. You've, you, you've given yourself a false weakness. Uh, is it, uh, so here he is. He's the leader of livingout.org. He's a pastor in London, right? He's a public figure and he's going to come and he's going to say, I'm not trying to be difficult, but a verse and explanation would help. I've tended to assume the opposite 
from verses like Romans 3, 9 through 18, and 22 and 23. I've tended to, to assume to, Right, as someone opposite. who's preached and who's written a whole book on, you know, dealing with homosexuals in the church, he's just tended. Right. Right. He's tended to assume. So I could have dealt with that and picked apart his language and just said, dude, you have no desire. It's very clear. He's already, he's lied, he's equivocated, and now this posturing that he's doing is just we're not going to get an honest discussion. discussion here. And so I'm already debating of just leaving this right. off. And I have a friend telling me, don't even bother. I'm thinking, okay, I'm trying to keep, I'm, I'm still going to work and try to keep this thing basically private. But who knows who's watching? This other guy who said, have you guys had a discussion? He's watching, whatever. It's a public forum and there are people that might be helped or hurt by Yeah, so I decide, I decide I'm going to, I'm going to answer him. And I'm going to answer him simply on the merits of him saying, I think Romans 3 proves the opposite. Hmm. So I say this, to shut everyone up under sin, as Romans 3 does, is not the same as to understand the nature of various sins and temptations. With me? To pretend or how to help people with those sins and temptations. Romans 3 has an objective. It's to shut everybody up under sin. It doesn't pretend to be about understanding the differences between various sins and temptations. It's not trying to do that, and it's not trying to help people overcome those various sins and temptations. It's trying to shut everybody up and say all of sin and fall short of the glory of God. Two very different objectives. So just to take a real quick step back in case anyone's just uh, hasn't read Romans in a while. You got your Romans 1. Paul talks about the pagan world, right? The- he's saying Greeks are shut up under sin, and then he's turning around and he's saying in Romans 2, but you Jews, you're also shut up under sin. Right. You who and judge caref- practice the same things. Yeah, you don't be hypocrites here. And then in Romans 3, he comes over and sews it all on with an iron thread and says, and it culminates in all of sin and falls short of the glory of God, and he just pounds home everybody whether they're Jew, whether they're Greek, they're all shut up under sin. And so Mr. Doherty extrapolates from this that... All sins are basically, are equally perverse. Right. And he just wants to use Romans 3, because we're all shut up under sin, as a blanket statement uh, for dealing with individual sins. Right. And I'm, I'm trying to explain, you can't do that. That's just, mm-hmm. that's just, that's wrong. That's, if you can, if you don't understand... What Romans one through three is about, and what it's trying, what it's trying to do here, and how it differs from the discussion we're trying to have, then I can't help you. Just interesting side note: I was reading some uh, Charles Spurgeon lately because uh, you know I'm the kind of guy that likes to read Charles Spurgeon, and um, actually I'm not the kind of guy that usually reads Charles Spurgeon, but I was on a Charles Spurgeon kick, and I pulled up some sermons on Romans, and um, he has a, he has a sermon I think on Romans twenty something. No, no, no. I'm sorry, Romans one verse one of the some verse in the 20s and he begins the sermon by saying i'm sorry i can't actually read the whole he literally says to his congregation i can't read the whole chapter this is a good chapter for you to all go home and read but he's i think he says i would turn every cheek crimson if i was to read this chapter so i only bring that up to just point out how softened up we are to the degrading passions how you know the fact that a man like mr doherty is even able to do this kind of equivocation is something that would have been unthinkable in Spurgeon's time where he couldn't even read the chapter, a chapter of scripture, because to, to talk about degrading passions and to talk about uh, women abandoning... Was you know. to admit that some things are more perverse than others. Right. <laughs> he, I think he actually says, even though these are the sorts of things that many people in England of our day engage in even now, like Spurgeon says, we can't pretend like this stuff isn't stuff that we all know and that still these aren't sins that exist, but I can't talk about it in church just the same. That's how much things have changed. That's the world that Mr. Doherty is working in, is a world where we're 
all incredibly desensitized. And you have to remember that when you're having these discussions. Anyway, this is an interesting side point. So anyhow, I'm going to deal with his use of Romans 3 there. And this is what I say. To shut everyone up under sin as Romans 3 does is not the same as to understand the nature of various sins and temptations or how to help people with those sins and temptations. To pretend it's the same is to be willfully blind. And to do so while trying to carve out special status in the church for those tempted with a particular subset of sins is hypocrisy. You understand, he he wants to pretend that all sins are equally perverse, and then he wants to carve out special space for those who can label themselves gay Christians. We get some kind of privileged status because we have a particular temptation and everybody needs to sort of, you know, cater to us. Well, it's just hypocrisy. Mm-hmm. Those who are and those who are not tempted to lust after their own sex all stand before God condemned. All have sinned. All are worthy of hell. All are qualified to be saved and forgiven for Christ came to save sinners. Thank God for that. So on the one hand, homosexual sin and temptation is just one more sin for normal people to repent of. We're all right there in that list in 1 Corinthians 6. Such were some of you. Okay, this is me saying, this is what Romans 1 is teaching. I agree with that. I agree that that's what, that's what Romans 1 is teaching. Um, and I wanted to take away his claim, and I don't know if he deleted it or if I can't find it, but um, there was an implicit charge of, uh, of hypocrisy self-righteousness just in this in the suggestion that um some sins are more perverse than others that he gave me and i haven't been able to find it again but it's there somewhere Twitter kind of branches off in these weird ways yeah it's, it's some, twitter, some of these yeah. threads are hard to hard to follow mm. and i don't claim to be the best at navigating twitter when it comes to that sort of thing um so i romans three on the other hand It's an especially tenacious and destructive sin. You can't minister to and love those tempted by it while refusing to understand that reality. It is, in fact, more perverse than many other sins. The punishment meted out for it in the Old Testament attests to this. The fact that it is called an abomination attests to this. And the fact that Romans 1 shows a progression of being given over to lusting after the same sex attests to this. To refuse to reckon with this reality and to stop short of addressing this sin at its root is to heal wounds superficially. And to be unable or unwilling to see these distinctions seriously calls into question your ability to understand scripture and to minister to those who are tempted by these very less. And to continue to use the label gay Christian is not to move anyone to such were some of you, as 1 Corinthians 6 does, mm-hmm. but to say such are some of you. Okay, so that was a long bit of tweeting that I did, and then he comes back and he's going to give some responses. But you see what I'm what I'm doing. I'm trying to say, okay, to be shut up under sin is one thing. To understand the nature of sins and temptations is another thing. And if you're going to be a pastor and you're going to care for people, you actually need to do that. And that involves understanding that homosexual temptation is more perverse than heterosexual temptation. So there's my response. And then he comes back at me. Let's see. He says... In one place, 1 Corinthians 6 is about practice, not preferences. That's where he uses the word preferences. And I just say, dude, the Bible speaks of lusts and desires, and to pretend that they're neutral, like preferences, Mm -hmm. is to fall into the same trap Jesus rebuked the Pharisees for. And so then he says, um, none of these references say that it's worse lust, homosexual lust, is worse lust than heterosexual lust. And so then I ask... Sean, do you believe pedophilia is worse than normal heterosexual lust or lust for animals? And he says, wait, I say, Sean, do you believe pedophilia is worse than normal normal heterosexual lust or lust for animals in any way more perverse? He says, my opinion is irrelevant. It's what scripture says that matters. Okay. And at this point, I give up on the guy. And I decide, okay, no, 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 no. 
when I said the Bible speaks of lusts and desires to pretend they're neutral is to fall in the same trap Jesus rebuked the Pharisees for, he responds and says, I'm saying I don't see an exegetical basis for differentiating hetero and homo desires. And so at that point, that's the point where I get frustrated. And I, I quote tweet him and I say, I summarize basically what he's saying. And I say, the Apostle Paul went there in Romans 1 for fun. Not because he meant it was worse or more, quote, degrading, end quote, to have, quote, unnatural, end quote, desires, because those are the words the Apostle Paul uses in Romans 1, right? Right. And so he responds to that and he says, I'm not disputing their unnatural character, but that they are somehow more so than the unnatural desire for many sexual partners. So you say, I'm not saying it's unnatural for men to lust after a woman. I'm saying it's no more unnatural than it is for a man to lust after many women. And so I say, um, I ask, equally unnatural and therefore equally perverse, whether homosexual, heterosexual, pedophilic, incestuous, bestial, etc., all on a level as perversions of sex in marriage, such that the preference for women or beast or child is not at issue? He doesn't respond to that one, but then he does respond to this one, where I summarize him as saying there is no qualitative difference found in Scripture, either explicitly or by good and necessary inference between betting sheep and women. Because we're all equally under sin. Just read Romans 3. And so I'm just trying to point out the fact that your doctrine of sexuality leaves no room for distinguishing between a woman and a sheep. Mm. And he responds, and he says, feel free to provide either the explicit or good and necessary reasoning that there Uh, is. He just agrees. Uh, yeah. He just agrees. And so I come back and I say, mm. so to be clear, you don't think there's a biblical or natural case to be made for distinguishing between sexual perversions. And he says, I'm open to being persuaded on the basis of scripture, but one would need to show blah, blah, blah. And then he tries to change the conversation by equivocating again. And at that point, I really am done. I don't respond for days. I come back to him and I just say, I just want you to know that I haven't responded to you because... You're you're just so disingenuous, and you equivocate all over the place, and I don't have... If you want the arguments, we've got a book. You can buy it. And uh, he accuses me of uh, arguing ad hominem, which is, you know, another thing. If you look at some of the other threads, he just... He likes to throw around big words, because... Exegetical ad hominem, but... It's like, you know, if you understood logical fallacies um, and were committed having an argument that didn't use them, then you would not be equivocating all over the place. As it is, you're just a slimy worm mm-hmm. who is happy to use any fallacies you think you can get away with. It treats into big words when, when you and, feel threatened. Yeah. And so that's it. I was done. And uh, and I'm still done. But man, the, the fact that these guys are the poster boys for... The Gospel Coalition! For for yeah, mainstream evangelists. It's like it's like nobody at the Gospel Coalition wants to actually deal with sexual sin. All we all they ever want to do is say some of my best friends are gay, and here let me shove them up to the front lines to take to fight the battles for us, right? Like, and they're weak. Where's a good woman who can stand for us and and make the case for uh, for masculine authority and w- w- female submission? That's what we really need. Where's the Where's the man who actually has struggles with homosexual desires? We'll put him up front. And what we want we don't want to think about it. It's so shallow. It's so weak. It's so cowardly. Well, and here's the thing. As the poster boys of mainstream evangelicalism's response to this thing, I would have loved nothing more. I was rooting for this guy. I wanted him to give you a good response. And when you started finally giving him rope to hang himself, I was really thinking, dude, don't hang yourself. Even just say, 
I have to think about this more, or I'm weak, or you've confused me, or he just blithely went. But and he's just himself. like duh, 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 duh. and it's really sad. You know, I mean, it's sad that this guy would be put in a position of authority and he ain't got nothing. He ain't got nothing. It, least of which is hope. Yeah. What he has done is he is he has decided to make peace with his lusts inside. Except the fact that he is a gay Christian, he has perverted and unnatural desires, and therefore and he justify has to be himself by accusing people who don't have those temptations of being self righteous. But it's all a part of his own self righteous game, mm. and he you know, he has to bear the cross of being celibate. Well, you know, it's just like man, no, no, it's absurd. These guys have no business doing what they're doing. None, zero. They should stop. They should repent. They should stop. They should shut it down. Mm-hmm. Well, and that's where we feel insane this week because... Well, here, let me go ahead and give up. How do you respond? This is just like, this is what I wanted to say through through Twitter. I just wanted to grab this guy by his shirt collar when he says there's nothing less natural or more unnatural about the, about the one than the other. I wanted to say, dude, let's look at Genesis 1 and 2. God made them male and female, and he said, be fruitful and multiply, fill the earth and subdue it. Now let's look at uh, the way God designed Adam's body. (laughs) Let's get a little specific here. I really just wanted to sit down with this guy and have a conversation about the birds and the bees. Man gives a woman a special hug. (laughs) Things happen. Man can't give that same special hug to a sheep as it turns out. He can't. He can't. If he tries, it's not going to produce the same results as if he gives it to a woman. And in fact, it'll be harmful. Which should be kind of obvious, I would think. Seems obvious to me. Mm. I don't know. Maybe a man shouldn't give a special hug to another man because of similar reasons. Mm, Yeah. But but Jake, exegetical, ad hominem, big words. I I don't know. I just, uh, have you ever... Romans 3, Have you ever taken a bath and been in a shower or... (laughs) I don't know. It's just, I don't know. God, 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 God made us different and gave us parts to or use for different things. And, <laughs> <laughs> you know, I'm just saying. Well, you know, it's just, a, you, you do end up feeling crazy because um, why would you have to explain that to anybody? And this is what I want to say to people. If you're listening to this, you know, you're probably thinking like, Jake's such a hero. You know, he takes on this guy. He's awesome. Sound of sanity's coming through. And Jake did do good work there. But this guy is nobody to be intimidated by. He's yeah. got nothing. He's got biology against him. He's got theology against him he's got the word of god and the entire created order and the what god has written in our hearts against them he ain't got nothing except for big words bravado puffery and it ain't nothing to you know you could anybody that has the bible and and knows it reasonably well could could defeat this guy you do not have to be intimidated by his big words by his stature by the fact that certain christian luminaries and christian organizations are putting him forward as an authority on the subject he is small, he's weak, he's effeminate in his discourse as it turns out. Surprise. And um it ain't nothing to be it ain't nothing to be afraid of. You have actual sanity on your side if you just believe in, well, God made men and women and, you know, it's 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 pretty obvious. It's not, you know, it, it, it you don't really need anything more than Genesis 1 and 2, you know? It's nice to have Romans. It's nice to have the Levitical law. It's nice to have the whole of scriptures. I'm glad that God gave us the whole of scriptures, obviously. But you got Genesis 1 and 2. God made a man and a woman to do this and to be joined together in one flesh. And, and a story. End know? of story. It's really not hard. 
It's not rocket science. And everybody that's trying to make it rocket science, they're they're nothing more than Oz the Magnificent and Terrible or mm-hmm. <laughs> Yeah. They just there's And it really is a little nobody guy behind the control booth because they ain't got nothing. They really don't. And it couldn't have been more clear if you want to go. Um, as long as he hasn't started deleting his tweets, it's all you, you can see this exchange on Twitter. You can follow me at Jacob Minsel on Twitter or just go visit my uh, tweets and replies. Yeah. And, uh, well, I just I don't want anybody to get tongue tied or tripped up, you know. I was like watching this happen in real time and suddenly he comes out with the exegetical blah, blah, blah. And that's when I felt a little sting of intimidation because I can't talk exegetical blah, blah, blah. Uh, Jake can. I can't. I'm not a formally trained pastor, you know, I, 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 but there's no reason for me to feel intimidated by this guy. And I don't want no any little, I don't want any. You, what, what these guys want you to think is that you have nothing to say because you haven't studied theology formally. And so they're just going to, or logic formally. And so they're just going to throw words out there to try to intimidate you. But all they have is the waving of their hands and the use of their big words to try to intimidate you and get you off the track. That is very simple. Man, woman. Man, woman. Natural passions, unnatural, unnatural. passions. Everything they do is, Oz the Great and Powerful, is a, it really is just, I am Oz the Great and Powerful. And, That's all it is. And theatrics. Smoke and mirrors. Yep. But they're good at theatrics. Which is why they've intimidated a lot of people and why even otherwise good people are happy to have them to be their heroes and their champions and to put them forward. And it's nice, I think, for people to think that the tension is that easy to resolve. Oh, well, we're all sinners, and so they're just going to be celibate because for some reason God wants it that way. That's good. Yay! Yay! But guess what? Dealing with the depravity of human nature and the way that sexuality has been twisted in a fallen world is hard. It takes work. It takes making hard decisions. Yeah, of course there's people that are tempted by homosexuality their whole lives, and they don't change this side of heaven. We talk about that in sound, uh, World We Made, if, if you want to hear a little bit more about that. And those people can be godly servants of the church, but they're not going to be the kinds of people that abandon shame. They're not going to be the kinds of people that equivocate and throw up big words to try and squirm out from under God's condemnation of the sin that he calls an abomination. He doesn't call every sin an abomination. And you have to have, you have to be able to trust your conscience you know, I mean, God gave us minds and hearts that go, when we hear about things like incest. God made little kids that if you ex- try to explain to them what homosexuality is for the first time, they're grossed out by it. You can you can trust that. There's Even with depravity, there's still some, by God's grace, good programming. The, the law of God is written on our hearts, and yep. you, you just don't have to be intimidated by a bunch of obnoxious big words. I know I keep saying that, but I just, I, I really don't want anybody to be scared of this stuff or think it's a big deal. It's not. It's not. It's, this is small, it's petty, and the whole world loves it because the whole world is taking the broad path to hell, and the whole world's always loved crap like that, and it always will. And there's always going to be unfaithful Christians that are ready to find new and interesting, fashionable ways to agree with the world and its wickedness. Well, it's one thing that can be discouraging, I think, is it's the propagandist art to continue to repeat the same thing in the face of good objections. And that's what Sean Doherty does in this Twitter exchange. He'll just keep, he'll equivocate, but he'll just circle back to the same thing. Okay, Jake gives an argument. Sean Doherty says, well, I'm fine, say what you're going to say, but give me an argument. Well, all that means is he'll ignore whatever you say that actually meets his point, and he'll just pretend that you never answered him. And he adops a posture of, of weakness and of 
kind of effeminacy, and therefore Jake can't help but look like the angry, ranty, crusty. That's right. That's right. If I try to take the argument seriously in any way, then I get this sort of like, oh, well, that escalated quickly. And he backs Jake Which into a corner where Jake do. comes on this podcast and he sounds uh-huh. upset about it. But right. that's part of the propagandist's art is putting Jake in a place where he can't talk nor he can't just be like, uh, sex organs and we all agree he has to say <laughs> sex organs ah! <laughs> you know yeah. yeah and the gospel coalition is going to keep playing this kind of thing at 11 apparently um they talk smoothly and people that you trust or or might want to trust are going to be broadcasting them and that makes me feel insane it makes me feel like but i can i can talk reasonably about this it doesn't seem to matter. Yeah, nobody wants to be the fringe guys. No, I mean, you know, sometimes, you know, if you're, if you're part of Warhorn Media, which finds itself being kind of fringy sometimes, finds itself being punk rocky sometimes, you can't help but lean into it a little bit and enjoy the ride sometimes. I'll, I'll cop to that. But nobody really wants to be fringe. Nobody wants to feel like a lunatic. Nobody wants to be saying what the culture is Not if not they're saying. sincerely trying to do good work. I yeah. mean, you can, you can uh, be the kind of person that just likes to be fringe and feel self-righteous about it but if you're trying to help people if you actually care about people and and care about the word of god going forward then nobody likes being on the edges right and if you listen to those podcasts we really tried to make them fun to make them approachable to make them things that would be you know um i often in the podcasts play the role of the guy just saying oh you know that makes me feel tension and then jake says well my idiot friend i'll explain and you know which was just a format to sort of give people some space to think about these things and to to, to, not everybody's gonna have the same processing speed and and that's fine but i would i would love nothing more than to find lots of comrades out there i'd love nothing more for livingout.org to to be the kind of organization that deals rightly with the idea that some people will be uh, same sex attracted as they call it for their whole lives but they're just not doing the work yeah so we all have to actually right we don't fix this and change this until normal everyday christians and pastors who are not celebrities out to build their cult followings just decide we've had enough and we're gonna do our best to be faithful. That's it. Just it do the simple, with, humble work of being faithful to. It starts with yeah, you the and obvious me truths of scripture and, and of creation. In our in our in our own weak, timid ways, in our own corners of the world that God has placed us in, being faithful and praying that God would work through our humble, failing, flailing attempts to be faithful. Yep. Yep. It's like I said, if this guy had failed and flailed in an attempt to be faithful, then it would have maybe been a sweet exchange. But instead, he retreated into basically pride. And that's sad. And that doesn't really leave me with much else to do but uh, transition without much of a transition into our credits. Sound of Sanity, of course, was engineered by Benjamin Sulser, produced by Nathan Alberson, and like all fine Warhorn products, executive produced by Jacob Menzel and Nathan Alberson. Till next time, folks. Stay sane.